You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. About that. All right, let's look in John chapter number three. John chapter three. I want to preach a very simple message tonight. Uh, And really, I'm going to be honest, I've preached this message, I think, three times now, and every time I preach it in a church setting, not in in an evangelistic meeting where we're trying to reach sinners with the gospel, but when I preach it in a church setting, uh, I'm always uh, uh, a little bit nervous because of of the simplicity of the message. Uh, And and I don't want folks that have been saved a long time uh, to say, man, this is what uh, the preacher is bringing, a simple message, but this is the message, honestly that I believe the Lord would have me to bring tonight. I was actually preaching this message on uh, either Monday or Tuesday night under the tent, and I knew I would be preaching tonight. I'm telling you, while I was preaching, I felt like the Spirit of God very, very clearly uh, spoke to my heart that this is what He'd have me to preach tonight, and so I want to be obedient to Him. There's another message that I really wanted to bring tonight out of Ecclesiastes on two are better than one, but I really believe the Lord wants us here. So we're going to look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And we'll try to preach this as quick as we can. By the way, was not that a wonderful message that Brother Viss brought this morning? Amen. Took a very, very, uh, to some would be a harder passage of Scripture, and he put it down there where you and I could understand it. Amen. Get something out of it. And I sure do appreciate that. All right. John 3, verses 1 through 8. The Bible said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, and please, please notice this. I mean, notice the wording our Lord uses. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. In verse number 8, the Bible said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. And if you're in the habit of underlining your Bible, I would underline the last phrase of verse number eight, where he said, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. We'll come back to that in just a little while. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll get on with the preaching tonight. Lord, I pray that thy sweet Spirit would anoint the preaching of the Word of God. I pray, Lord God, uh, you know, we sing uh, the words of that song, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And the psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that build it. So we need you tonight, Lord. We need you to work in hearts, Lord. I can preach to bodies, but it takes the Spirit of God to work in spirits, in hearts that are here tonight. And I pray that you would work. Lord, I pray, Lord, tonight I do. I pray that if there'd be someone here lost without the Lord Jesus Christ, never been saved, never been born again, Lord, please work on their heart tonight and woo them, draw them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For what you do, we'll thank you and praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to preach tonight out of this very familiar text. And I've, I've begged the Lord, I've pleaded with the Lord throughout the week that he would work spiritually and eternally 
in the hearts and minds of every individual who's under the sound of our voice at this time. On September 11th of 1997, a wonderful thing happened in our home, in the Ruckman household. After nine months of, uh, of, of, of uh, being expecting a baby, my wife went into labor and our oldest son was born. Uh, and boy, that was a wonderful day in our home. I was preaching the other day, Angie wasn't there, and I said, and I couldn't figure out why everybody started laughing. I said, after nine months of being in labor, my wife had a child, and everybody started laughing. I said, what did I say wrong? Amen. It was not nine months of labor, but Jimmy uh, came into this world, and the moment that he was born, uh, our lives changed, and uh, I mean, really did. I mean, we went from being James and Angie and going anywhere we want and do anything we want, and that, that, that just extended honeymoon after we got married to now we have a little boy in the home. And I'm going to tell you something, parents that got young children, man, make the most of every, t every moment you got with them because, because it passes so quickly, and, and I can't believe Jimmy's been gone from the house two years, and I'm, 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 every time I blink, it's like five years goes by. And so enjoy uh, who you have and what you have while you have them. Amen. But the moment he was born, our lives changed, and we had a precious little baby in our home. We had a precious little baby boy, my namesake, James Matthew Ruckman Jr., and what a blessing that he has brought to his father and to his mother, and I think even to his brothers, amen, when they came along. What a blessing that he was. And so God has designed a woman in such a way as to uh, when she conceives and then she carries a baby for, I guess, about nine months, God's designed her body in such a way to where uh, her water breaks and a woman goes into labor and the baby is brought into this world. A new life comes into this world. And how awesome is that? I mean, the preciousness of a physical life being brought into a very physical world. Well, in our text, we have a religious leader coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and he comes secretly by night, and he engages in conversation with the Lord. And he began by uh, complimenting the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, instead of thanking him for the compliment, I mean, he looks at the Lord and said, uh, good master, we know that a teacher come from God. Now, in a time when other Pharisees were attacking the Son of God, here is a Pharisee who is saying, good master, we know thou art a teacher come from God. And so he's giving him a compliment. But instead of saying thank you for the kind words, Nick, instead the Lord very directly and very bluntly looked at him eye to eye and said, verily, verily, which simply means truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in our text, we find two different kinds of births described. We find a physical a birth, which is spoken of when he said that which is born, uh, Jesus Christ would say over here in verse number uh, five, he would say, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. You have the two births right there, the water birth and the spiritual birth. And the very next verse, he says, he's commenting on that. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so there is a, a birthday that everyone that is here tonight has. You were born into this world. You were born of flesh. You are enjoying, you are the recipient of physical life. You can, uh, you, I mean, thank God, I was talking in the Sunday school this morning uh, to the, I think, 9th through 12th graders, and just talking about how that uh, God is wonderful in the way He created us. I mean, God gave us five different senses, right? We can see, and we can we can touch and we can hear and we can smell. And I just want to give a personal word of testimony tonight and say, thank God I got taste buds. Amen. Thank God we can taste. How many of you would enjoy food if you couldn't taste it? Come on now, y'all wake up. Amen. It's Sunday night, not Sunday morning. You got no excuse to be sleeping tonight. Right. Would you enjoy, I mean, how many of you get excited about going to the steakhouse if you couldn't taste? Amen. 
I want to say thank God. God thought enough of us to give us taste buds, amen? So I'm saying God lets us, we, we enjoy physical life through the physical senses that God has given us. We experience physical life. I'm looking. I can see you right now. You can see the ugly preacher up here right now. Amen. I'm saying we, you have to hear my voice right now. We, we experience this thing called physical life because we were brought, we were birthed, if we could say it that way, into a physical world. We were born of the flesh into a physical world. But our text speaks of another kind of a birth. It speaks of another world. It speaks of a life to come. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, except a man be born again. He's not talking about being born of water. He's not talking about being born of the flesh. He said, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus has no clue what he's talking about. He said, when he says, you have to get born again, he said, do I got to get back in my mother's belly? Do we got to go through the process all over? I mean, I'm an older man. How can I fit back into my mother's womb and get born all over again? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about. You were born one time of the flesh. You were born of water, but you need to be born of the Spirit of God. I wonder tonight, everyone in this room, have you been born again? Has there been a time and place where you got birthed by the Spirit of God into the family of God? I know you were born physically. You're here, but I can't see spiritually. I can't read your heart. I don't know if you've been born again or not. Here's a religious ruler. Here's a religious leader. Here's a man that's telling others about the Word of God and the things of God. And he had no idea what the Son of God was talking about when he said, you must be born again. How tragic. Here's a man teaching the Bible and does not understand the new birth. How tragic it is that even in our Baptist churches all over the country, we have folks in our churches who view themselves as good people and as moral people and as kind people and as nice people and people that put money in the offering plate and people that have been baptized and people that have tried to do good works. But can I tell you tonight, our Lord Jesus Christ said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as real as this physical life you're enjoying is real right now. But it is spiritual and it is eternal. And the only way you get into the kingdom of God is to be born spiritually into the family of God. I wonder tonight, have you been born again? Has there been a time and place in your life where you have been born spiritually into the family of God? Being my son gave Jimmy physical life. But being my son could never give him spiritual and eternal life. Physical life was the result of his father and his mother. But spiritual and eternal life, according to our text, is a result of the Spirit of God working and moving in a heart. Nicodemus had an earthly father. Nicodemus was born physically. That was evidence, for he was standing there talking with Jesus Christ. He was born of the flesh, but Jesus told him again in verse number 7, you must be born again. Years ago, years and years ago, there was a great awakening preacher by the name of George Whitfield, and he preached, I mean literally, across England. He preached constantly everywhere he went on this text that I'm preaching. He preached, you must be born again to a religious audience, to an audience that thought they knew God, to an audience that, that were trying to be good people. And over and over he would, he would preach, you must be born again. And someone came to George Whitfield one day and said, why do you keep preaching on, you must be born again? And George Whitfield looked him in his eye and he said, because you must be born again. 
Can I tell you tonight that if you are not born again, you cannot enter heaven and there is no middle place. There is no place between heaven and hell where you get a second chance. The, I'm telling you, the whole seriousness of this matter of being born again is that you get a chance to get born again in this life. While you're enjoying physical life, you can get born again. But if you miss it in this life, there is no second chance after this life is over. That's what makes this so imperative. That's what makes this so important. You must be born again. Talked to a young lady on Monday night, came under the tent. I won't call the church that she was from or the religion that she was, but it was not a Bible-preaching church. It was not a Bible-preaching religion. And she came on Monday night and heard me preach on you must be born again. On Tuesday night, I preached on the work of the Holy Ghost in the matter of the new birth, in the matter of salvation. And she came to me on Tuesday night after the service, and she said, could I talk with you? A 20-year-old young lady in our state right here in South Dakota. I said, yes, ma'am. So we went and sat by one of the tent poles over there. They were taking everything down and packing things up in the trailer for the night. And she said, this is the most different services I have ever been in in my life. She said, I have heard things last night and tonight that I have never heard in my life. And she said, are you telling me that the Bible teaches that the moment I die, if I am not born again, that I will go to hell and burn for eternity? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm not telling you based on my authority. I'm telling you that based on the Word of God. That is what the Bible teaches. That's why we're traveling over here two and a half hours every night and killing ourselves uh, to try to get the gospel to you because if you do not get born again, you most certainly will die and go to hell. And she looked and said, I have never heard that. She said, don't you believe that there's a middle ground? Don't you believe there's a place where people go, where they get a second chance? Because is not God love? And does not God want everybody in heaven ultimately with him? I said, yes, ma'am, God is love. And yes, he is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance, Brother Meyer. He wants to save everyone. And he proved it by dying on the cross. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for the world. He, the, the, the question isn't how much does he love us, amen. He's already proved his love at Calvary. And, and salvation is a gift that's offered out of the love of God to sinners. But I said, you've got to make the decision in this life while you're still alive. This is your second chance. And you'll probably get a third chance if you reject. And maybe a fourth chance. And maybe a fifth. I don't know how many chances God will give you. But once you're gone, once you've breathed your last breath, once your lifeless body drops onto the ground and you're put in the grave, friend, there is no chance after death to get born again, to get saved. It's over. If you're here tonight and you, hey, everybody, breathe in. Breathe out. You're still alive. You have breath. You could get born again tonight. You could get saved tonight. Amen. And not have to ever worry about going to an awful place called hell. Let me give you four things real quickly, maybe five, and I promise you at 6.43, brother, brother Heath told me, he said, now you know we're done by 6.45 on Wednesday or Sunday night. I said at 6.30 in the morning, amen? And uh, so anyhow, we won't keep you till morning, but, 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 but we are gonna move as fast as we can here this evening, all right? Let's talk about, number one, the individuality of the new birth. Because our Lord looked at Nicodemus and he said, verily, verily, notice the wording, I say unto thee. So he's speaking to Nicodemus as an individual. He's speaking to him in the singular. I say unto thee, Nicodemus, I'm talking to you. But then he uses the plural word. The very next word, he said, ye must be born again. And what we see here is that while every person that lives must be born again, every individual has to make that decision. And he's saying to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You'll find that in verse number eight. Again, when he uses this phrase, so is everyone. Every is a plural word. One is a singular word. Every speaks of all. One speaks of the individual. God wants everyone to get saved, but he wants you as an individual to get saved. He wants you to get born again, all right? So we see the individuality of the new birth. It does not matter to me who you are. 
It does not matter to me how old you are. It does not matter to me how young you are. It doesn't matter to me if you're male or if you're female. It doesn't matter to me what your background religion is, what your background race is, what your riches, what your status is in this world. Jesus says to you tonight, you must be born again. If you're here and you've never been born again, now's your time. Tonight's your night. I was born July 6th, 1974 into this world. That was my physical birth, but I was born again in November of 1991 into the family of God. I'm saying, my friend, to you, you must be born again. You're sitting here. You say, man, this is a beautiful church, and it is. You're sitting here tonight saying, man, boy, this is a wonderful singing, a wonderful service. That's good. Maybe you've been attending the church for a while. Maybe there's someone that's a member of the church. Maybe you was raised in the church, and you think you're a pretty good person. But can I tell you something? Being a Baptist is not what births you in the family of God. And being in a beautiful church does not birth you in the family of God. And being a good person, Jesus didn't say, Nicodemus, if you'll put money in the offering plate, Nicodemus, if you'll get baptized, Nicodemus, if you'll be a good man, you'll get to heaven. He said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'm asking you tonight, it doesn't matter to me if you're five or you're 95, have you been born again? Let's look at the importance of the new birth. The individuality, it applies to you. But then let's look at the importance of the new birth. Jesus said, ye must. That word must means it's, it's a word that speaks of necessity. The Lord didn't say, Nicodemus, if you feel like it, it'd be a good thing for you to get born again. It's not what he said. Hey, how, how can you enjoy physical life tonight? The only way you can enjoy physical life was you had to get born. Amen? <laughs> Brother uh, McCray, if you didn't get born, you wouldn't be here, would you? I mean, you're here, you was born, you're enjoying physical life. The only way you go enjoy spiritual eternal life is to get born again. If you're not born again, if you're not born again, it's important. Jesus said, you must be born again. That speaks of necessity. That's a word that speaks of obligation. That's a word that literally, if you do a word study, it, it, it speaks of being bound up. It's a binding word. He's saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, Nicodemus, in the next verse, if you're not born again, you can't see heaven. Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you can't. How can you experience eternal life if you never birthed into it? You couldn't have experienced physical life without being born, and you can't experience eternal life, spiritual life, without being birthed spiritually into the family of God. You must be born again. You say, preacher, is it that important? It's that important. The new birth is so important that if a man dies without being born again, do you understand what the Bible teaches? Sometimes I'm afraid we sit in church all of our lives, we hear the Word of God preached all of our life, and it's somehow what once was a reality, it just becomes kind of a glazed over truth. It doesn't seem to have as much shock and awe as it did one time. But I want to remind Eastside Baptist Church tonight that there is a hell that is burning tonight. There is a hell that is on fire right now. There are people that die and go to hell every day. There are people that die and go to hell out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota every day of the year. There's people in our town who are dying and going to hell. We would be naive to assume for a moment that everyone in this room will live to the ripe old age of 90 or 95 years old. I have buried little children. I have buried teenagers. I've been at the funerals of young adults, middle-aged adults, and older folks. I'm telling you, friend, death is no respecter of age. It is no respecter of health. It is no respecter of persons. Death can take a while coming to your house or it can stop at your house in an instant and I'm telling you disrupt life once for all and forever are you listening in that moment if you've not been born again the importance of what I'm talking about is that if you're here tonight and never been saved you'll drop into a burning hell for all eternity 
I've been to one too many funerals, Brother Austin. One too many funerals where they stood up and said something like this. He was a good man, and surely he'll get to heaven. I've heard priests, I've heard pastors say that about the deceased in their coffin. He was a good man, and surely if anyone goes to heaven, I've heard them make statements like this. Surely, with being a man of faith like he was, he will go to heaven. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't say, except you be a man of faith. He didn't say, except you be a good man. Jesus said, except the man be born again. If you're not born again tonight, I cannot impress upon you strongly enough the urgency, the necessity of being born again while you're still alive, being born again while you have breath in your lungs, being born again before you enter this thing called eternity. Eternity's real. Eternity's hot. Outside of Jesus Christ, eternity is forever. All of us know people. I don't like to think about it. You don't like to think about it. But we all know people who have died. As far as we know, they died lost and without God. And I hate it. I've got family members who died lost without God. I have, to, I have to put them in the hands of a righteous God and say God does all things well and leave it there because it would drive me to an insane asylum if I thought about the reality of loved ones, those I have loved, those who I've hugged their necks, who are in hell right now as far as I know. I've preached under the tent that we had this week. I've preached under tents like this tent for 20 years. I've preached one too many times to one too many sinners who sat in the rows of the tent and heard the gospel being preached. I've sat one too many times and watched people respond. Brother Nathan, I've watched people come under Holy Ghost conviction. The Spirit of God began to reveal to them their lost condition. I've had people come to me after a tent service and say, man, I know what you was preaching was right, just like that girl did on Monday night of this week. I know it was right. I know what you preached is real, but I want to think about it some. I want to wait a little while. Can I tell you, friend, that if death strikes your door, and I can't prove it'll come today, I hope it doesn't. I hope death waits a long time. Amen. I can't prove it'll come today. You can't prove it won't. It's appointed unto men once to die. And when you die, friend, it's over. It's over. If you're not born again, Jesus said, you can't see, much less enter into the kingdom of God. I've preached one too many places, preached one too many people. I've watched, let me tell you a story real quickly, and I won't give names, uh, but I'll tell you a story real quickly about a young man who came to our church back in 2003 up in Hoven, and that young man heard the preaching of the Word of God. We had a preacher preach that night, and he preached one of the hottest messages on hell I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was one of those messages, Brother Austin, where I went back and said, I, I was the pastor, I said, I better make sure I'm saved, amen. I don't want to go there, amen. I mean, it was a, and this, this young man sat with his friend in the back, and, and, and they were both lost, they were visiting for the first time, and he was under obvious conviction after the service, and after the service, the, 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 the visiting evangelist talked to him and said, man, I'm going to pray for you, and boy, the young man, he went out, he was, he was disturbed. He was agitated. He was under conviction. The next morning, uh, he went to work, and he worked at that time with someone from our church, and the man from our church uh, uh, said, what'd you think of the service last night? Would you want to come back again? And he said, man, that man, that preacher preached on hell like it was for real. And my brother, who was the member of the church, my brother looked at him and said, Justin, it is for real. He said, yeah, but that preacher preached like I could die and I could go there this year. And my brother said, Justin, you could die and go there this year. 23 years old. A young man, a little boy that he had fathered. There he is, I mean, fresh in life. And that young man, that young man, he looked at my brother and said, I want to get saved so bad. But here's what he said, Brother Juan. He said, I want to have a little more fun. Six months passed by, exactly six months to the week. And we were having a tent meeting. 
That first meeting had been in February of 2003. We were having a tent meeting six months later. And I saw that young man on Monday night in another town. I said, hey, Justin, how you doing? Oh, preacher, I'm doing good. Friendly young man, never did wrong by me in a place where a lot of folks did wrong by us and talked a lot about us. He never did. A good young man, as far as goodness goes. And he looked at me and uh, said, how you doing? I said, man, Justin, I haven't seen you in church for, for six months. You came, heard that message. You haven't been back. I said, we got a tent meeting going this week. He said, preacher. He looked at me and said, preacher, I'll come to the tent meeting. And I'm like, you know how that is when you've been trying to get a sinner to come to church. You've been trying to get friends. You guys had some friends come this morning. Amen. Yeah, you're trying to get folks to come into church. Amen. And you're like, praise God. He's going to, he said, I'll be there on Friday night. This isn't something I heard. This is something that experienced in our church and with our tent meeting. I'm telling you, it was real. I'm telling you, uh, that was on Monday. He said, I'll be there. I had no reason to believe he wouldn't come. I thought he would be there on Friday night. I mean, I was excited. I told folks all week, pray for Justin. Pray for Justin. Pray he's going to come again. He was under conviction. Maybe he'll get saved. This isn't a game. Hey, young people, this isn't a game. What we preach about, this thing of church, this thing of having Sunday school, this thing of having VBSs, this thing of living for God, it's not a game, friend. There's a real hell out there that real people that are your peers are going to go to if they don't see Christ in you and I. It's not a game. It's real. And there he was. I'll be there on Friday night, man. I was so excited all week long. I told the church, pray, man, he's going to come Friday night. I want him to get saved Friday night. He's going to come on Friday night. Without giving a long story, Justin died on Thursday night in a terrible automobile accident. Without giving the details of the story, he died Thursday night. I was praying on Thursday night. After the church service, I was under a burden. And I went home and I prayed. You could ask my, I went home and I prayed that night. And I said, Lord, I don't know why I'm under such a heavy burden, Lord. But I'm praying, man, there's folks here that need to get saved. We had preached, my father-in-law had preached that night. Thursday night, he preached that night under our tent of the great white throne judgment. Lost people had sat there. And I thought they maybe come forward and get saved. They didn't. I went home, I was under a burden. I'm telling you, I prayed until about midnight that night, 1230. And you know how it is, guys, when you're out praying late and you got to be at work the next morning. And I had to be at work the next morning. And I'm praying about 1230. And, uh, and, and I said, man, I got to go and I got to stop praying. And you, you, if you've been saved that length of time, you know what I'm talking about. The Spirit of God just impressed me very strongly. He said, keep praying. Keep praying and I kept on praying I kept praying and at 1 30 in the morning I'm not kidding you at 1 30 in the morning it's like somebody turned a switch off and the burden to pray was gone and I thought that's strange and it was so strange I thought man I'll have to tell Angie about this first thing in the morning don't forget to tell her how real it was tonight in my prayer time and that burden to pray I went in 6 30 in the morning got a phone call and the person on the other end was crying so bad I couldn't understand what they were saying. I said, what's wrong? And finally he got it out. He said, Justin's dead. I said, Justin can't be dead. He can't be dead. He can't be dead. I talked to him on Monday. I saw him at the gas station Tuesday morning. He told me he was coming on Friday night. We're less than 18 hours away from meeting. He told me he was going to be at the meeting. He said, 1.30 in the morning. He went out into eternity. He rolled his truck over. He died. It's not a game. If I seem like I'm preaching hard up here, it's because this is real. I'm telling you, I've preached to one too many people in one too many places who've walked out the doors and said no to God, and you wish and pray and hope to God they have another 50 years, but the reality is not everyone we preach to has another 50 years. Sometimes they have less than six months, sometimes they have a week, sometimes we've preached to people and two days later they were gone in eternity. I'm talking about gone in eternity. I'm telling you, Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again. Are you born again? Is there a time, I didn't ask you if you're, if you're in a Christian home. I didn't ask you if you're a member of Eastside Baptist Church. I asked you tonight, have you been born again? Is there a time and place when you've been born again? Let's move to our third point. We see the instantaneousness of the new birth. 
He said, you must be born again. We talk about the birthing process. That's a phrase that people use. We talk about a woman expecting a child for nine months, but nobody, nobody, you know, my wife celebrated her, her uh, birthday this week. Amen. And uh, she is now uh, years old. Okay. And, uh, and, and we celebrate a birthday. We don't celebrate the birth year. We don't celebrate the birth month. Nobody looks back and says, well, you know, over the process of a month, my child was born. It doesn't matter how long they're expecting. It don't matter how long the labor is. When the child's born, the child's born. When the child is brought into this world, he or she has now been brought into this world. There has been a birth, and it takes place in an instant. Everything leading up may be a process, but the birth itself takes place in an instant. Is that right? So it is with the new birth. I talked to a man. He came to our church in Hoven. For, for, he was one of these guys, he was a philosophizer. Brother No, I'm telling you, every Sunday afternoon he would stand and talk to me, and two hours later we were still talking, and I couldn't figure out what we had talked about, amen. I mean, we, he talked about, I mean, around the world and back, about the price of tea in China, but I didn't even know, I didn't even know about tea in China, amen. I'm telling you, know, and, uh, and, and, and my wife would finally, she would leave and go back to the house and start preparing supper and all this kind of stuff, and, and, but you know, he was talking and I would listen because I knew he needed I, I felt like he needed to get saved. I didn't know for sure. One day we're talking, and he just went some directions with the conversation that led me to believe that he didn't understand salvation. And I said, Joe, I said, tell me, Joe, uh, give me your story of salvation. How did you get saved? Well, Joe told me about a time and place when he called on the Lord to save him. I said, well, praise the Lord, Joe. That's wonderful, man. I'm glad you're saved. I was wondering, but I'm glad you're saved. Well, his daughters were there, and son was there. Well, we had that conversation. Well, that night they came to church and they said, Pastor, we want to talk to you in your office. So I went back to the office and they said, Pastor, uh, we're a little bit concerned about dad. And I said, what are you concerned about your dad? He said, he gave me a wonderful testimony of salvation this morning. They said, well, that's just it. That's not the testimony that he told us. He told us a whole different story of how he got saved. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, well, maybe he just got a little mixed up with some details. And they said, no, Pastor, it's two different stories. Well, his wife come to me the next service, I believe it was Wednesday night, and she said, Pastor, could I talk to you? Or maybe it was the following Sunday morning. I cannot remember now. I said, yes. And she said, I, I heard that my husband told you how he got saved last Sunday. And I said, yeah, it was a wonderful salvation testimony. And she said, my children talked to you last Sunday night. And I said, yes, they said he had a second story. And she said, well, the funny thing is, is that we've got to talking about it. And he told me a whole different story, a third story. And I said, I think I need to talk to Joe. I, need, I think I need to visit Joe. So I went to Joe's house. He actually went to his farm. He was out there working in his machine shop. And I got out there, began talking. I said, Joe, I said, I got a question for you. I said, are you born again? He said, Pastor, I gave you my testimony. I said, well, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. Because you told your wife one story, you told your kids another story, and me another story. Honest to God, he looked at me and said, what's wrong with that? I said, Joe, getting born again happens one time, not three times. And he said, oh, no, Pastor, it's a process. There's a process. Some of you may be here tonight, and that's where you're at in your mind. It's a process. Trying to be good. I've come to an altar and, and accepted Christ, or I joined a church, or I got baptized, or I'm trying to be a good person. I know Jesus died for my sins, and I'm trying to add what I can to it. It's a process. And Joe said, yes, I went to this particular meeting, and I asked Jesus to save me. And yes, I went to this meeting over here, and I, I kind of backslid. I asked him to save me again. And I went to this meeting, and that's really when I dedicated my life to the Lord. And preacher, there's probably another 15 or 18 experiences just like it that I can tell you, my wife and my children. I said, Joe, that's not what being born again is. Being born again is not a process. There's people maybe in this church, I've preached to plenty of people in churches, who every night of their life they say, Lord Jesus, if I'm not saved, save me. And they hope one of the time takes. That's not being born again. Being born again is a one-time act of God 
where the Spirit of God births you into the family of God. And can I just say, I'm not preaching on eternal security tonight, but I'd get excited if I started right now. Glory to God. Once you've been born physically, you're here, friend. And once you've been born eternally, you're in. Amen? And there's nothing can get you out. Once you're born in the family of God, you're His and He's yours forever. Amen? And what a blessing that is. I told Joe, I said, Joe, the Bible says over at the end of the book of 2 Corinthians to examine yourselves and approve your own selves. Know you not whether you be in the faith or whether you have a reprobate mind. And what I was telling him was, you need to take your testimony, your process that you're talking about, and you need to go read the Word of God and line it up with the Bible. And, 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 and if it lines up with the Bible, that's wonderful. If it don't, you need to get born again. He said, preacher, I am sure I'm saved. I'm telling you, God's my witness. I went to visit him one week later at his farm, and when I got into his machine shop, he looked at me. Actually, he called me and asked for me to come out, and I went out to his place, and he was crying. He was weeping. He said, Pastor, I began to look at the Word of God, the Scriptures you gave me, and I realized that I am not born again. I have been counting on a process of good works, what I have been doing over the years, instead of trusting in what Jesus Christ did once for all, forever, on Calvary. And you know what he did? He bowed on his knees, and he asked God to save him, and he got gloriously birthed into the family of God. Amen. And I thank God for that. I'm just telling you, it's an instantaneous act of God where you are birthed into the family of God. Have, hey, I'm not asking you tonight, I'm not asking you tonight if you can remember all the details about your salvation. I'm not asking you tonight if you can remember the exact date. I didn't write down the exact date that I got saved. I know it was in November of 1991, but I know I got saved. I may not can take you to the exact place in time on a clock and on a calendar, but I'll never forget the time and place where I got born again. I don't remember anything about getting born physically. <laughs> My mom was there. Amen. I was there. I don't remember nothing about it. But can I tell you something? I can't forget my second birth. I can't. I got saved. God saved me. I guarantee Brother Juan, I've talked to him about his testimony. I guarantee he'd get up here and give you a testimony of salvation. And we could go one by one. I wonder, though, if we started calling people up tonight and said, and I'm not going to do it, don't worry. But I wonder if we started calling people up and said, hey, I want your testimony. How'd you guys saved? How'd you get saved? Tell us your testimony. I wonder if everyone here has a testimony. I wonder if everyone here has been born again. Let's come here to our last point that we'll look at, or second to last point. The last point will be very, very short, but let's look at this very last point. So we've talked about the individuality of the new birth, the importance of the new birth, and the instantaneousness of the new birth, but here's really what I want to focus on. Here, here, here's my focus. Let's talk about the impetus of the new birth. You say, impetus, what do you mean? The word impetus means the driving force. When you were born into this world, your mother was the impetus. <laughs> she was the driving force. There you were just as comfortable as could be in her belly. Everything was fine. Everything was all right. <laughs> you was, didn't, didn't have a care in the world. But there come a time you needed to be born. And God created that mother and, and that mother's body in such a way as to where things happen. And she no longer carries that baby. The baby is birthed. And man, how awesome is it to watch a brand new baby come into the world. She's the driving force. Nicodemus that which is born of the water, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the impetus that brings you into this world. But he made a statement. He said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And the impetus or the driving force that births you into the family of God, that gives you eternal life, is the spirit of God. And please notice verse 8, and I'm going to wrap this up as quick as I can. Verse number 8, he said, Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell, notice this, whence it cometh, check the text out, or whither it's going. 
How many of you figured out here in South Dakota, you can't control the wind? When Jesse was about three years old, maybe four years old, he was getting, riding his bike. We had a long lane that went up our farm driveway, a long lane. And there's Jesse always on his training wheels, riding that bike with the training wheels. And there came a day that mommy and daddy going to take the training wheels off. He wanted the training wheels off. And Jesse, I'm telling you, he was so excited as could be. I don't know where the time went. Now he's a strapping young man. And there he was, just a little kid. And he's riding that bike up the driveway. And the wind was just blowing like crazy. Because up in, you know, I know you think it's bad in Sioux Falls, but get out away from the trees in the city. It just blows like crazy. And it just, it's just, it just blows all the time. And Jesse, he's going up there and the wind blew him over. And he jumped up, and you know Jesse's a determined uh, little man, all right, and always been that way. He's got drive. He's got determination. He jumps back up on that bike and starts riding again, and the wind blew him over a second time. And, and, and he jumped back on the bike, and I, we're back there at the end of the lane. Come on, Jesse, you can do it. You can do it. Get back up. Ride it again. And about that third time, and he would have done fine without the wind. He really would have, brother. No, he'd have done fine. But that third time, the wind blew him over. And Jesse, I'm not kidding, three or four years old, he jumped up, and he looked up in the sky, and he said, wind, Stop! Jesse learned a lesson that day. He could make the wind stop. You can't make it start. You can't make it stop. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Now here's the sound thereof. We can tell when the wind's blowing, but we can't start it and we can't stop it. He said, but canst not tell whence it cometh. You can't tell when it's going to blow or whither it goeth. You can't tell where it's going to blow next. That's just some facts about the wind, friend. And then he said, so is every one who is born of the Spirit. Do you see what our Lord's done? He's likened the Spirit to wind. Another word for Spirit, the Greek word for Spirit is pneuma. These guys that work mechanic shop, they have pneumatics. They, 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 they have air tools that they fill up your tires with. That they, uh, the Greek word there, pneuma. We would talk about the Holy Ghost. We would call it the doctrine of pneumatology. It's the doctrine of the Spirit of God. He's like wind. He's like air. I'm telling you, what our Lord teaches us there is that the Spirit of God is just like the wind. So let's read it like this. The Spirit bloweth where he listeth. You can't determine where and when the Spirit of God is going to work on hearts. We can't determine that, but we can tell when he's working. You can't tell when he's coming or where he's going next. But if he's working in your heart tonight, if there's a tug on the inside of your heart saying, man, I've never been born again. I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I, man, this thing the preacher's taught me, I've never had a spiritual birth. I've never had an eternal birth. There's never been a point in time. If you can't go back to a point in time and it's bothering you, can I promise you, that's not your flesh that's bothering you. That's the Spirit of God. And he's real. And as sure as I'm a person, he's a person. And he moves and he works in hearts. Somebody said, I was talking to somebody about the voice of the Spirit of God and listening to his voice. And he said, does he speak in an audible voice? I said, no, it's, it's a whole lot louder than that. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when the Spirit of God begins to convict your heart and show you that you're lost, show you that you need to be born again, show you that you need to be saved, that means he's working. That means he's moving. That's a good time to respond. That's a good time to get saved. He said, so is everyone, so is everyone. I want to get done, but i got to focus on this. I'd be wrong not to focus on this. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Everyone would include you. If you're saved by God's grace, you come under that. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Is there a time and place when the Spirit of God began to trouble your soul? Has there ever been a time in your life when the Spirit of God convinced you 
that you are a sinner without God headed to an awful place called hell? You say, oh no, preacher, I couldn't believe that. See this young lady on Monday night? The tragic thing was, I said, I said, Shayla, do you know you're a sinner? And she said, yes. I said, your flesh didn't tell you that. The Spirit of God told you that. Amen. He taught you that. Our flesh would never admit to the fact that we're sinners, all right? And I said, do you believe that you deserve to go to hell? And she said, oh no, pastor, oh no. I do not believe that I deserve to go to hell. Can I tell you something, friend? If you cannot see yourself as a condemned sinner, the Spirit of God's work's not complete in your heart and life. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible said in John 16, when the spirit of truth has come, when the comforter has come, he will reprove. The word reprove, it literally means to convince or convict. He will reprove the world of sin. That's our sinful condition. Of righteousness, that's our lack of righteousness and the fact that Jesus Christ is absolutely righteous and judgment to come. You've never been convinced of the fact that you're a sinner and deserving of hell. You've not been born again. Because everyone who's been born of the Spirit had a point in time in their life, doesn't matter if it was 5 or 95, where they realized, I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell, and I need to be born again. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Have you been born of the Spirit of God? Can you go back to a time and place in your life? Pastor, just a few weeks ago, kind of unusual, I think it was a Wednesday night service, he just stood up and said, anybody want to give a testimony? Tell us when you got saved. Tell us where. And you know, there's people that stood up or raised their hand. And, and just said, and, and, and reminded us of when they got saved, when they got born again, amen. I'm asking, could you have stood up and said, here's where I got saved, here's where I got born again? If not, you could take care of that tonight. You say, oh man, it'd be humbling. Man, it'd be humbling to come down in front of that church and admit I'm lost. Friend, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. There's no shame in admitting you're lost. See, I sat as a pastor's child, as a Baptist pastor's child, as an independent Baptist pastor's child, I sat from the age of 15 knowing I needed to be born again, knowing I needed to be saved through my 16th year and all the way into my 17th year of life before I finally was able to humble myself before God and man and admit I was lost. I was so worried. What would everybody else think of me? I think when I first joined the church here, when we first came, I was around 2015, 2016, right in there, all the dates run together. Brother Heath, and I, I, can't, I don't see him in here tonight, but he's here somewhere because I talked to him before the service. But Brother Heath, Brother Heath stood behind this pulpit. And, and here, you know, he looked to me like a pillar in the church. Brother one, I just started coming, amen? But here's this big strapping man standing behind the pulpit, and with tears out of his eyes, he began to tell folks how he was raised in this church, but that he realized he was lost, he realized he wasn't saved, and he got saved. There's no shame in admitting that you're lost. The shame would be in knowing that you're lost and then saying, I'm too proud to deal with it. I don't want to get saved. I don't want to get saved tonight. If you're not saved, can I beg you to come? You say, well, how do you do that? You know, our last point, I told you I'm not going to preach it. I'll just give you one verse, the identity of the new birth. See, when I got born, I was born into the Ruckman family. I got Ruckman blood running through my veins, all right? I was born to Sam and Leslie Ruckman. The, the, my mom was the impetus, brought me into this world and gave me my identity. And so John chapter number one, the Bible said, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. The moment you get saved, you're birthed in the family of God, and guess what you become? A Christian. <laughs> you become a part of the family of God. And can I tell you, there's no greater family in the world. If you're here tonight, you've never been born again. The altar calls on. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.